is Ronaldo. Oh, my goodness. You don't save those. Out of this world. Messi. 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 Landon Donovan, there are things on here for the USA. Can they do it here? Cross, and Dempsey is denied again, and Donovan has scored! Oh, can you believe this? Go, go, USA! Certainly through! Oh, it's incredible! You could not write a script like this! For the fourth time, the United States of America are crowned champions of the world. From the international stage to right here at home, this is FUVFC, talking all things soccer on WFUV Sports. What is going on, FUVFC Nation? It is Wednesday, April 26th. It is 11.40 in the morning. We are, quick math in my head, about three hours and 20 minutes away from... Nick, Gino, do we dare say it, the biggest match of the Premier League season. Before we break that down, though, and everything else that is going on in the cluster that is the Premier League and some other European storylines, got to ask, gentlemen, it's been a while since I've been with you. How are things? I'm doing well, yeah. In terms of soccer, we're down the stretch run in the Prem. We've got Champions League semifinals set. You know, I don't think the Champions League this season has been quite as exciting as what we've seen last season in terms of the matches, but... The matchups we have in the semifinals are super, super cool, and there's just a lot to talk about. Yeah, we're definitely entering the chaotic month of May, which we'll see a lot of cup finals and you know league uh, matches like today. So yeah, it's been a great couple of days so far in the Champions League and the Premier League, so let's just get into this chaotic May that we're about to enter. And there's no way to enter the chaotic May without a chaotic end to April, and that's what we have with this match between City and Arsenal today at 3 o'clock Eastern. At the Etihad, I'm going back in my mind. I'm thinking about right after we came back from winter break in the Premier League, everyone was saying it's a two-horse race, and the two matches that everyone had circled was the City and Arsenal when they played each other. And it felt so long ago, but now the day's upon us, where we were saying this match at the Etihad will decide the Premier League, and it's come down to that. We were talking before we got on air touching upon how Arsenal's kind of in the worst, I won't say the worst form we've seen them in this year, but definitely close to that. You know, three consecutive draws in the Premier League, you know, especially that game against Southampton last Friday. You know, that was a game which, by all accounts, they should have lost, you know, down 3-1 into the final 10 minutes of normal time. They pull it level, they hit the crossbar. You're thinking maybe they go on and win this you know, kind of a champion's moment, you'd think. They end up drawing that match to Southampton after drawing the previous week to Liverpool. So I don't want to say Arsenal's allowed City back in because City's been playing really good football, but for a while it looked like it was Arsenal's title to lose, and now this match, a loss, I, I'll go as, so far as to say Arsenal has lost the title. Yeah, the narrative of this game has changed so much for Arsenal just in the last three games because of the three draws I mean it went from being you know Arsenal get a free hit at the Etihad you know if they win that would pretty much clinch the title for them um but and if they lose it's really no big deal you've you've built up enough of a buffer between yourself and City then you know the first draw happens and it's like okay now we just can't really lose at the Etihad but now you draw two more and it suddenly turned to must win game for Arsenal 
And going to the Etihad and doing that is not an easy job, especially the way Arsenal have been playing, the way City have been playing. There are two teams who are trending in completely opposite directions. looked like for a while this year that Arsenal, you know, weren't going to drop points. They were winning every week. You know, this, this recent stretch of games was not something we'd seen from them all season long. And, you know, you go back to January, February, City were dropping points here and there. Arsenal were slowly building that gap, slowly but surely. But City, every year, no matter who they're in the title race with, will always finish the season strong down the stretch. That's a guarantee. They always do it. And Arsenal are seeing that. And you understand the 2-2 draw at Liverpool. You know, Anfield, even if Liverpool have not had their best season by any standards, still a tough place to play. But you go up by two, you'd like, and you play really, really well in those first 30 minutes or so. You go up 2-0 in that Liverpool game. But then you shelter in and you invite the pressure. Liverpool get those two goals, and it's a draw. And the fact that they let the same thing happen the next week against West Ham is pretty crazy. But then the most egregious one, like you said, Keenan, is the Southampton game. Southampton in the basement of the Premier League right now in 20th place. Seem like they're going to get relegated. And Arsenal concede three to them, including you know an absolute shocker from Ramsdale on that first goal. They get two back late, but... Dropping points to Southampton, That's that was the moment where you're like, okay, maybe this isn't Arsenal's year and it's going to be City again. But if they win this game, that narrative changes completely. But it's really a, it's a really, really tough task just based on the way City have been playing recently. I mean, they dispatched Bayern Munich in the Champions League. They've been winning you know, every game they've been playing in the Prem. Erling Holland looks incredible. They just won that FA Cup semifinal over Sheffield United. They're in great form on, on all fronts, and they're at home at the Etihad, where it's never hard to play. So the challenge is there for Mikel Arteta's side. But to be honest, no one thought they'd be here at, at this point, even with a conversation, to be able to go to the Etihad and win and have that propel them onto a title. The fact that they're in this situation at late in late April is is really remarkable based on preseason expectations. But, you know, based on these last three games, you'd think Man City are definitely the favorites, but, but Arsenal... Arsenal have got that wild card factor, and and that's something definitely to consider. Yeah, I mean, when we talk about form, we saw that Arsenal these last couple of matches they've been drawing these matches, you know. But from where I look at it, is like you know, they're this is the only competition they're in. You know, they were eliminated in the FA Cup in the fourth round. They were eliminated from the EFL Cup in the third round, and the Europa League in the round sixteen in penalties. Uh, it's the only competition that matters to them. Obviously, they haven't won the Premier League in over 20 years, but Man City has been playing a lot of these competitions. They're in a final against Manchester United in the FA Cup. They played Real Madrid in the Champions League semifinal. They're playing more games. Holland is scoring more, more goals. You know, their team is getting more momentum, and they're getting hot. And I like to say, like, when you're when a team's hot, they're hot. It doesn't matter if you're second in the league or you're fourth in the league. When you're hot, it gets going, and definitely Man City is one of those hottest teams right now. So when I'm looking at this matchup today in Arsenal's form, I think City's going to have the upper hand by playing these couple of games so far in the, in, in the FA Cup and Champions League. Uh, they're definitely eager to win this game because they're two games behind. You know, and Arsenal probably... It reminds me of that matchup Liverpool against Chelsea when Steven Gerrard slipped. That was the game for Liverpool to win it. And and, and like a couple of years ago too when Arsenal played Man U and Rude Madness really missed the penalty. That was the game to win the Premier League for Arsenal. So it's it's today today it's that type of game where like whoever wins this match is going to win the title. And City definitely has the upper hand because they're two games behind. Yeah, I want to get to City's other competitions later in the show, but while we're still talking about today's matchup, obviously form is a you know I guess at the focal point of 
every pundit who's been talking about this match and the buildup of City, you know, as you said, Nick, they just have this tendency of no matter how many points they're back in January, they're just going to string together results throughout the, I'd say, back half of the Premier League season, especially in like the final quarter of the Premier League season. When other teams dip, they seemingly don't. As a Liverpool fan, I've seen this time and time again. Last year, I guess, is the most indicative of this fact of you, you expect City to drop points somewhere for Liverpool last year to catch up, but for Arsenal this year to you know have a little bit more of a buffer it just isn't happening. But I would say the only thing Arsenal has going for them in this match is I wouldn't be I wouldn't go so far as to say they've put the worst football behind them because we have to see what they come out on the pitch with. But I think Arteta and his side know that today as we've been saying is a must win and also having that comeback against Southampton yes it only resulted in a draw but they now feel the pressure and I think this is where we determine what type of side this young Arsenal side is because as good as their additions through you know the transfer market have been and you know they've kind of got a hodgepodge of veterans within that midfield this team is really contingent on their young developed players obviously Odegaard and Saka being the namestakes but Ramsdale you mentioned that howler he let in he's going to need a really strong game you know in order to keep Arsenal in this so I'm interested in that point of view of you know, Arsenal has been on the come-up all season. It got to the point where we weren't even worried that City was going to catch them, and now that City is knocking on their door. I think it's one last gut punch for Arsenal to stomach in order to hopefully bring the trophy back to London. The only thing I'm going to say otherwise is that if we look down the stretch, assuming that Arsenal or City, I just say, say they draw, I will say City has a on paper, a tougher path to not drop points the rest of the way. They play Arsenal, and then they play a Fulham team that's been up and down all year, play a West Ham team that's been really poor, but we saw earlier this year they have an ability to steal points or at least make games closer than they need to be. And then those two games against Real Madrid, you know, you're playing Real Madrid, and then on the weekend you pick up a match against an Everton team that's fighting for their lives. And then you play Madrid in the second leg, and then you play a Chelsea team that is the definition of an identity crisis. But, you know, you even saw in that game against Real Madrid in the first half, they have those flashes where they look like Chelsea of old. And then obviously the one that's circled on the calendar as you're looking towards the end after that Chelsea game is what their lead up to that FA Cup match is going to be. Obviously, that's going to be dependent on how things shake out in the Champions League if they're going to a Champions League final and also what their status in the Premier League is, but they have to keep that FA Cup in mind because they are playing Manchester United, and that's a match that both sides of Manchester feel like they have to win. Uh, from an Arsenal perspective, though, I don't want to say you feel optimistic because I know we're beating a dead horse with the, the form they're in currently in terms of who they have to play after City. They play Chelsea and Newcastle. They get those two games out of the way. Obviously, Newcastle thrashing Spurs. We'll touch on that in a second. But then you finish with Brighton, Forest, and Wolves, teams that are completely dead and gone. So I think for Arsenal, too, you know, this game against City has so many implications, especially as you look at, you know, the turnaround to placing Chelsea in a London derby, which is always contentious, and a Newcastle team that just keeps growing and becoming better in the standings that, you know, if they don't beat City today, who knows what, 
you know, the results of those games will be. But if you can beat City today, I think the momentum from that win can carry you to conquer those two matches. Definitely. And I think for Arsenal, you know, if typically you look at Newcastle away just in the last 10 years, that's a tough game, but it's a game that's definitely winnable. It's always hard to go to St. James's Park. But this year, based on what Newcastle have done, that's a very, very tough game. I'd argue that Newcastle game is tougher than the, the Chelsea game at home, just based on form. And you know Chelsea are going to want to spoil Arsenal's title hopes. So is everybody down the stretch. You know, mid-table teams like Brighton, who don't really have anything to play for. Nottingham Forest are in a relegation scrap. You know, it's definitely not an easy schedule for Arsenal, but in terms of just volume of games, it's easier. But Man City, much more so than Arsenal, have the depth to deal with that sort of thing. I mean, we saw in the FA Cup semifinal, Riyad Mahrez is a guy who hasn't gotten in the Man City team in, in weeks. He hasn't started. Jack Grealish has started a lot. Mars has found himself on the bench, and he scores a hat-trick. So that's just the kind of thing that Man City can do with all the different players that they have and all the different combinations they can run out there and still be successful. So if any team's equipped to go on a, on a run in three different competitions you know, late in the season down the stretch, it's Manchester City. So for Arsenal, your, your sole focus has to be on this Man City game. You can't start to look ahead at, at these other games because if you drop this game against Man City you know, your chances at a title are pretty much dashed. And you feel like for Arsenal, you've worked this hard to get to this point. And it's a point that nobody thought that they would be at. You know, people have stepped up. People have had, you know, career years, whether it's Saka or or Odegaard. Defensively, they've been solid up until recently. Just going to be very curious to see how they approach this Man City game tactically because this is a City team firing on all cylinders right now. They've... You know, Pep's had some interesting tactical wrinkles, whether it's, you know, playing John Stones in the midfield, doing things like that that have been really, really successful. It'll be interesting to see how Mikel Arteta sets up. Is he going to bunker in? Because Arsenal aren't really built for that. They're built for that, you know, free-flowing style of football, but it's not easy to play that style of football at the Etihad. It's their final. It's definitely a final for Arsenal. And when I look back at these couple seasons with Arsenal, um, especially last season, you saw the potential in these players you saw that they were able to you know make the top 4. Unfortunately, they made fifth place last year, but going into the season, you know, we saw we knew Arsenal was were going to fight for a top 4 position. And we are we're here in April of 2023 and they're first they've been first I think for the, for the whole season. They're about to you know, they're praying they're going to, you know, win this Premier League, but um yeah, like you guys said, I mean, City right now are a force, Arsenal right now are going to have to play it's their game of their lives if they want to win this Premier League. The players have showed throughout the whole season if they were down by two, they would get those two goals and then they'll win it or they'll get that point and you know hope and escape of, escape from it. So uh, it's definitely a final for Arsenal. So if they win it, then they'll definitely have the huge confidence to to win all the remaining matches in the Premier League and hopefully you know get what they want after 20 years of not winning a Premier League title in their history so far. Keeping it in the Premier League as we shift our focus away from Arsenal, there was another big storyline this weekend. Interim head coach for Tottenham Hotspur, Christian Stellini, was sacked following a thrashing at St. James's Park. That one finished 6-1 to for Newcastle, a game in which Newcastle scored five goals. Within the first 30 minutes of that match, fans were pouring out, away fans that is, were pouring out of St. James's Park. Gino told me beforehand, or maybe it was uh, our producer Michael Hernandez in my ear, I forget which one of you said it, I apologize, the credit is yours, 
that the players refunded the away the away stand. It was Michael. He's raising his hand. Thank you, Michael. Was uh, refunded the away stands ticket. Um, it was disgusting. If you're a Tottenham fan, if you love to hate on Tottenham, like I feel like the rest of the Premier League does, it was a glorious sight. Um, Stellini fired. Obviously, he was appointed as interim after Conte was fired earlier this year. The downward spiral continues for Tottenham. You know, they still sit in this limbo in the Premier League in sixth place, only five, only eight points, six points, excuse me, outside of the top four. But it's the Jekyll and Hyde act that we're so used to Spurs seeing, seeing from Spurs where some games they are the, you know, a team that actually has aspirations to crack the top four. You know, you think like, oh, you know, we get a couple signings in the summer, this team could really be something. And then some days you get them against Newcastle, which was just an absolutely classless performance. Ryan Mason takes the job on Monday um, as another interim head coach. Obviously, Spurs are going to be looking to hire a head coach this summer. They have been a revolving door since Pochettino left. I'm curious to know if you guys think he'll be brought back. But better question is, is what can Spurs do to reestablish their identity? Because now the question of will Harry Kane leave this summer is back on the table. Their longtime captain, Lloris, is only getting older and older, and he can barely stay fit these days. So, Gino, I'll start with you. What do you think Spurs need to do to stop this spiral? Because if you go back from Pochettino being fired, Nuno brought in, he's immediately replaced as soon as Conte becomes available. Conte kind of has this ebbs and flows of being the Spurs coach. You can maybe say it's because he couldn't get the players he wanted into his midfield. We know how much he loves to play like a strong midfield midfield football, but at the end of the day, it's just been a bitter taste in Spurs fans' mouth. I mean, forever, because they never win anything, but especially in these past couple years where they were knocking on the door of a Champions League final against Liverpool, you know, finishing second, I know it was years away to um, Leicester City, but also, you know, always being in that, top four coming down the stretch hey if they get hot and points fall they could see themselves in a title race not really just the way City and Liverpool have been the past couple years but always kind of in that mix say November so I'm wondering Gino is there a coach out there that can revive them or does it just need to be completely stripped because it seems like to me they're trying to plug these holes with you know six month essential players who I don't want to say at the end of their career, but aren't long-term solutions to the problems that have plagued Spurs as of late. It's definitely management. I don't think Pochettino will come back to Tottenham Hotspurs. I think he's linked with other jobs like Real Madrid and Chelsea. Um, But definitely the management is the biggest worry for Tottenham. We saw Tottenham Hotspurs under Pochettino. They've made a Champions League final. They've been to a couple finals in in the domestic uh, cups. And it's, at this point, it's just up to the players, too. I mean, they have great players. A Harry Kane who scores goals. Uh, a Heung-Ming Son who actually, I think, is probably their best player of the team. Uh, and they just, you know, they. I just don't understand the history of the Tottenham. They're just, you know, playing these games. They don't make these finals. They get eliminated from second-league teams. And the management is just at this point. I mean, who would have thought, like, beginning of the season, you know, you know, I think was it was it uh, Antonio Conte was was fighting with uh, Tuchel and Chelsea. Mm-hmm. So it's tough to believe that was that was t- it's tough yeah. to believe it's, it was the beginning of the season. Like had a that, world, whole World Cup since then, a whole World Cup. So it, for Tottenham, it's always I think I always look at the management point of view because like you know the players obviously perform, but like I just don't understand how 
a couple years ago they were I think third in the league, second in the league. Now they're dropping down to sixth. They're somehow making Champions League positions. They were playing the Conference League last season. To me, it's just management at this point. Now, I don't know what type of manager is going to come to Tottenham Hotspurs. I think they're more linked into Chelsea because Chelsea is a bigger team, obviously. They've won the Champions League two years ago. So I can't, on top of my head, I can't think of a manager who wants to come to Tottenham Hotspurs because Pochettino is definitely not coming back. I think he's might, he might go to Chelsea. Yeah, they've brought in Tottenham, you know, big-time managers, whether it's Antonio Conte or Jose Mourinho, guys who haven't really failed elsewhere. And they've come to Tottenham and they failed, so that just it it makes you it makes other top managers see that maybe there's something intrinsically wrong structurally with the way, you know, Tottenham's constructed right now. I think there's a couple things with Tottenham. First, you know, with Ryan Mason coming back in charge, I feel like we're in a time loop with Frank Lampard back in charge at Chelsea, just going back two three years ago. The fact that this everybody just gets recycled, you know to be back in the positions they were in three years ago is very interesting. The other thing for Tottenham is that, you know, players they've brought in, whether it's, you know, Richarlison hasn't scored a goal in the Premier League this season, and he was supposed to, you know, be that piece that that complements Son and Kane, but he hasn't done that at all. You know, him and Son compared to last season, you know, he's picking up a little bit. He's got eight goals in the league, four assists, but compared to, you know, he was in a golden boot race last year, and it's just been a, a big drop-off from him. And then tactically, in the game against Newcastle, I don't really understand what Spurs were going for. You know, they played a flat... They usually play a back five. They played a back four. But with Perisic at left back and Pedro Poor at right back, those are not left and right backs. Those are wing backs at best. More so, like, Perisic is a left midfielder, left winger, who's been converted to sort of a wing back during his time at Tottenham because he's gotten a little bit older. Pedro Poro at Sporting was a straight-up right winger. He's not really a right back. So to and try boy, to, was he looking bad as a right to, back. To try to plug those guys into a back four where Eric Dyer's already one of the three center backs, that's just, it was never going to work. Going to Newcastle, a team who is in Champions League contention this season, has some really good players and are playing really well, and to think that you can set up like that with that back four... It was never going to work. It seems a little arrogant to set your team up that way, and like you're not respecting what Newcastle can do. So, from that perspective, just tactically in the game against Newcastle, you know they got it so so wrong. But in in the long term, you feel like this has been the core of Tottenham Hotspur, Tottenham Hotspur for for years now. Whether it's Kane, Son, Lloris, I guess even you have to include Eric Dyer as a part of that core just because he's been around for so long. But I think at this point, it's been this long. They've gotten close to trophies. Now it seems like they're getting further and further away. I feel like it might be time to move on from this current core of Tottenham Hotspur in terms of the players, whether it's Harry Kane, whether it's Son, whether it's Lloris, because like you mentioned, Keenan, they're trying to plug holes, but you can't really plug holes on a ship that's already going down. And I think you know real structural changes in the squad are needed for Tottenham, and they need to bring in a manager... You, know, you say they need to bring in a really great manager, and they've done that. They've brought in Mourinho, who's had more success at Roma. They've brought in Antonio Conte, who before coming to Tottenham was, was winning Serie A with Inter Milan, and, and it hasn't worked. So there's definitely something beyond, oh, it's just Tottenham, and this is what they do. You know, They bottle things. <laughs> it definitely goes deeper than that, but 
you know, I feel like we've been talking about a solution for Tottenham for, for years. How do they get over that hump? And they're now closer. They're further away right now. That's a crazy statistic. Jose Mourinho, every club he's been at has won a trophy. And you he know, had a chance to win the League Cup with, with Man- Tottenham, and they, fi- and they fired him, you know, because right before it. And they fired it before. Before. Yeah, before. They didn't even let him take charge in the final. So Tottenham, I mean, I just feel like we've been discussing solutions about this team for a long, long time. Because Harry Kane is one of the best strikers in the world. That can't really be argued. But just you look at the midfield they played against against Newcastle. Oliver Skip, Hoiberg, Saar. Like, that's not a midfield that's going to do anything in the Premier League. And... And the fact that no solutions are jumping off the page, that's worrying for, for Tottenham fans. Because you don't know whether it's the players, whether it's the management, if it's a combination of both. If it is both, that means it's a long fix. Yeah. And I, last thing on Tottenham, but I guess speaking to Newcastle, or if you look at uh, Aston Villa, who had that impressive 3-0 victory against Newcastle a couple weeks ago. And if you even want to take this a step further, look at like Arsenal, for an example, those Liverpool teams that were so good. It was the front office having faith in a coach to bring in young players that he's going to make integral to those sides. You know, if you look at Newcastle, even before they were bought, I know that the Saudi money has helped them since, but all those players are players that they've taken investments in, whereas the problem with Newcastle is, and even the problem with Chelsea, I'd go so far as to say, is that you're taking these risks on players that are old in their career that you need them to play at their form of which you bought them at, or even a form prior to what you bought them at, in order for your team to really compete, which is asking a lot, versus you know the strategy that we see of Arsenal, that we see of Villa, that we see of Newcastle, and you know City obviously is kind of an anomaly because they have the luxury of just buying players that they're not really reliant on, you know them returning to some previously established form. You have to, in order to succeed, it looks like in the Premier League, especially as of recent. And also, like, throughout history is you have to develop a side through time and have an established group that's going to stay constant, which Tottenham has, but bring in young players around them to aid those players. Because if it's not for Harry Kane, this team's finishing bottom half of the table. It's just that simple. That's the way their season's gone. But I want to get it off of Tottenham because, as Nick, you've said, it seems like every time, no matter when I'm on this podcast, Tottenham gets brought up and it's never in a positive light. So we're going to move on. The only last tidbit I have from the Premier League to look forward to is that Manchester Derby. That's going to be the FA Cup final. Both teams clinched their spot this past weekend. United sitting in fourth place comfortably. um, Only have played 30 matches. Villa and Spurs have at least played 32. And the closest Villa is is five points off the lead. Spurs sit six back in fourth place of United. That's only a match that, as we kind of talked about, and hinted at for City, it's gonna this game against Arsenal, I would say determines to some extent, but more so those games against Madrid determine how badly they're gonna go at that. Because if they're in a Champions League final, we saw it last year with Liverpool, you know, the squad rotation kind of comes up in terms of what's Pep gonna do. Obviously, I think he's gonna prioritize the Champions League final because that's the one he hasn't won um, as Man City's boss. But it's just interesting storyline because United, who's seemingly just playing for top four, which I'm not going to say they've clinched, but I would expect them to clinch uh, this season. That's one that you want to win against your most bitter of rivals because as good as City's been 
And, you know, Manchester United has been playing second fiddle to City all year long. To have that win over them for a cup to come back to Manchester and, you know, for this turnaround to fully be cemented as Manchester United is back, I feel like they have to win a trophy. Yeah, this is their, you know, if City have a chance to play in the Champions League final, if they can get past Real Madrid, that FA Cup final is Manchester United's Champions League final. You know, that's what their season has culminated to just based on the way other competitions have gone, it's their 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 real chance for for a, a a big win over Man City and and to bring home the FA Cup, which is a, a you know a competition where people have have said that it's losing value, but you know it, it has the value that you place in it. Mm-hmm. If you approach the competition and you and you care a lot about it and you want to win it, then it that makes it valuable. And you know for Man City that could that could potentially be a chance to get. You know, number two of a, of a of a treble, which we haven't seen in in England in in years, and Man United are going to want to stop that because if am I correct? You know that the last treble was the ninety nine ninety nine Man United, so you want that to stand up. You don't want Man City to be getting a treble, and and for Man United, that FA Cup final will be an opportunity to to stop that. If you know, assuming that City do win the league. And they can get past Real Madrid and make the semifinals, which is a, a big, or make the final of the Champions League, which is a big if. For Man United, you know, there's been some awful, awful results this year that we've seen, but overall, you would say they've been improving. And under Eric Ten Hag, you know, the Sevilla Europa League results not ideal by any means. And there's a seven nil to Liverpool, obviously thrown in there. So there's been moments this year where it's been really bad for Man United, but it, it seems like overall they, they're building towards something, and they brought in, they brought in players. You think about the players that just going back to Tottenham for a second as a comparison, wow. players who haven't had an impact on their squad at all, whether it's Richarlison or or Dan Jumu hasn't really done anything since he's come in, but the players that Man United have brought in, Casemiro has you know revolutionized that midfield, and has made it so much better than the days when it was, you know, the Fred McTominay double pivot. Having Casemiro in there it just makes such a difference. And it feels like with Man United, although they're in fourth place in the Prem and there's been moments this season where it's been looked like the Manchester United of old where they just totally capitulate. It seems like they're building towards something and that's something that you can be proud of. And then the FA Cup final just represents, you know, something tangible that you can that you can go out and win over a team that's had the best of you over the last decade, your, your crosstown rivals, a team that wins the Premier League every year, and is gunning for a treble that, you know, would be really, really, you know, important for them, and and it would hurt a lot for Man United fans. So it's just a a, a nice opportunity for Man United to cap off a season that's that's shown a lot of growth, even if in that growth there's been some major, major growing pains. At the beginning of the season, I said that a successful season for for Man United this season will be to make the League Cup and win it, make the FA Cup final, win it, and win Europa League. Obviously, they weren't, they weren't winning the Premier League, and nobody thought Arsenal were a contenders for the, for the Premier League, but I wanted them to make top four, obviously. And, you know, compared to last season with all the managerial changes, the formations, the lineups, Man United fans were very stressed because of the performances they were giving. This season at the beginning, I mean, this season was also a uh, season of problems, too. I mean, talk about the beginning of the season. They lost to Brentford. They lost to Brian. Then they won against Liverpool, Isle Trafford. Uh, obviously, Cristiano Ronaldo was still at the team. He was obviously the biggest headline every week because he wasn't playing. He was always on the bench. Aaron Ten Hag did not pay, put him on the team. He was making problems. And the whole, you know, uh, months before the World Cup, 
was just all Cristiano Ronaldo in the headlines. And then they were winning matches. They, were, they played the Europa League group stage and, you know, passed the World Cup. Ronaldo left the club and a whole, whole scandal happened. And then, you know, after the World Cup, Man United were, I think, the best team in the world. They, Marcus Rashford was on the form of his life. He was winning games. Every week they were winning a game. They were, I think, on a hot streak. And it comes a point where, you know, they were not playing at their best and injuries got to them. And I think for this season, uh, them winning the League Cup was definitely a boost. Them making the FA Cup final is definitely a huge opportunity to protect their legacy of what is Manchester United. Like Nick said, the 99 treble is the last English team to win a treble. Liverpool could have had it last season. Uh, City are on the verge of winning it this season, this treble. And uh, it's definitely a final for Man United to play because it's they want to protect that legacy. We don't like Man United don't want Man City to have that trouble comparison if they were to win it. Who is the better team? This, you know, Holland, Pep Guardiola, Manchester City team that won the treble or uh Stralix Ferguson's ninety nine treble that, that went on to win, you know, a whole a whole lot after after the uh ninety nine treble years. So for this season I think Manchester United to summarize it, um it's definitely been a problematic and chaotic season but you know at the end of it they got to two finals and we're gonna have to wait and see if they win that FA Cup final but uh obviously there's a lot of rumors of whether the Glazers are selling this club and you know some Qatari uh, businessmen are gonna buy it and uh I think Aaron Hogg did a great job this season he's definitely lifted up the spirits of Manchester United definitely injuries got to, to Manchester United at the end of the season but uh we'll have to see what happens next season definitely recruitment I, I know Weg, uh, Weghorst is not coming back to Manchester United, but it's definitely going to be a season of transfers to see what happens. And uh, Harry Maguire, I don't know what to, what to say about him. I just I don't want him in the club. Yeah, I mean, that's the one one con on, um, I guess, United is there's a point in this Premier League season when they were the third team in that race for the Premier League, and I guess we could say they had a lackadaisical winter transfer window Weghorst has been a stain on the club he's not coming back and Harry Kane for all his money is st- Harry Kane Harry Maguire I mean I guess you could say Harry Kane too but Harry Maguire for all his uh financial compensation is still leaving the club desired um I know you guys were talked Champions League on Friday show obviously with it's shaking out the way that it is. We've got a Milan derby, which is very exciting, having an Italian team back in the final for the first time since Milan was there. Uh, excuse me, Juventus was there. Uh, what was that, 2016? 2017. Oh, yeah, 2017. 17 and 15. Um, but it being potentially Inter Milan is a return of our early childhood when those teams were just absolutely gross. On the other side, we've got Madrid versus City. I think this is a matchup everyone's wanted since last year's semifinal with uh, Madrid and City with Madrid pulling off another comeback. The two best teams in world soccer, you could argue. Madrid, though, in the news, not necessarily for a good reason, unless you are an NYCFC supporter and Tati Cassiano's diehard. Scored four goals against Real Madrid yesterday as Girona defeated Madrid 4-2. to two. It still looks as though Barca's going to win La Liga, which is good for all the Barca sympathizers out there. But Madrid, we all know, they get their money from the Champions League. They are Champions League club. 
And it's always interesting, especially with these two teams matched up and the two different storylines we have surrounding those semifinals, which start in two weeks of, you know, if we get... I, I just want to say it's like going to be two different styles of game because you can imagine Madrid versus City. It's City's attacking prowess against the Madrid midfield that just seemingly doesn't age. And then Milan and Inter, it's just no blood loss between those two rivals. And as we you know start to wrap up the show, whether we want to talk Tati Castellanos or these Champions League matches, I'm just thinking to myself of, you know, we've got the the mayhem that is the month of May, but these two ch- Champions League semifinals, I think, really are indicative of how crazy this upcoming month is going to be in terms of soccer, no matter which leagues you follow, because even to the casual soccer fan, you're going to witness two matches in these Champions League semis that are going to be full of energy, but also full of pride, because we know what's on the line for Man City, never being able to lift the Champions League trophy. And then on the other side, two former powerhouses in this competition trying to get back to the promised land that is a final. That final is going to occur in June, so we're going to have to go the whole month of May without you know, seeing that final matchup. But I'm just really excited to sink my teeth in and, you know, I, I'll be honest, I boycotted much of the Champions League. I watched the quarterfinals, but after Liverpool got knocked out because they're terrible, yeah, I just kind of, you know, sank into my couch and didn't really watch the first legs and then absorbed the second legs as they unfolded. But, you know, Milan has shown their will to win, you know, obviously beating Tottenham, but then facing Napoli, who's just run away with the Serie A and just getting a result away and then also winning at home was super, you know, bolstering their confidence because I always feel like that Milan team, you never know what version you're going to get of them. And then Chelsea, we've already hit on them being directionless, but embarrassed a 2-0 loss after a really strong first half against Real Madrid. And then City just taking care of absolute business against Bayern Munich, which was a game that, you know, when we saw that quarterfinal final shakeout, you wish those two were on opposite sides of the bracket because that would be like a really good final match we were expecting, but... A 3-0 win for City in the first leg and then a 1-1 draw just playing for a draw. Erling Holland being impeccable. So those Champions League semifinal matches I'm really excited for. I'm just wondering for you boys, do we see anything coming up in the build-up to those that might jade our decisions one way or another? Because if it was Madrid versus Inter or City versus Milan or some combination where the other two were facing the other two, I think we could all say it would be a Madrid versus City final. But as it sits right now, I can legitimately see each of these four teams advancing to a final and then having a final that we've seen it in the past can be unpredictable. Yeah, it's just a super interesting group of four teams to be in the semifinal and the way their seasons have gone. You've got City who are fighting on, on three fronts to win a treble potentially. Real Madrid who've been really, really disappointing in La Liga. They're not going to win the title. You know, we saw Tati Castellanos put four past them yesterday. They've had their struggles, but you know once you get to the UEFA Champions League and you know, the semifinals or final of this tournament. They know how to win. We saw it last year. Even when their backs were against the wall last season, they would come back, and it, would, it was truly remarkable. Real Madrid are just a team that knows how to win the Champions League. And you go across to, to Milan against Inter, and those are two squads who aren't, like you mentioned, Keenan, Napoli are the, are the, is the team that's running away with Serie A. You know, Milan and Inter are fighting for Champions League spots. Milan's in fourth with... 56 points, enters in 6th with 54 points. So both those teams are fighting to be in the Champions League for next season. 
So it hasn't been a smooth, really smooth campaign for either of those sides in terms of league play. But in the Champions League, Inter was very impressive against Benfica. And for Milan to go to first win at home against Napoli and then go on the road and get that goal through, through Giroud and that, that lovely Rafael Leao run and to get a result away at Napoli, the team who, who's going to win the, the Italian league this year, is super, super impressive. But I think heading into these games, the only thing that you would think would maybe change the narrative in the lead-up is if Man City you know, starts to, to slip away in the league, maybe if they fall to Arsenal, then this semifinal maybe might look a little bit different. But I don't really think that's going to happen. I think once we get to the semifinal on May 9th, City will be closer to being Premier League champions. Still have the FA Cup final at the right at the beginning of June, and then the semifinals to look forward to. I just hope, you know, last season you think about the quarterfinals and the semifinals that we got, whether it was Real Madrid versus Chelsea in the quarterfinals. That was an all-time tie. Or Real Madrid versus Man City in the semifinals. Another just incredible, incredible tie with comebacks and drama. You know, on paper, we've had some really, really great matchups in this season's Champions League, whether it's Chelsea-Real Madrid again or Bayern against Man City. But they haven't really, you know, come out and been these, like, back-and-forth battles of heavyweights that we that we wanted to. So although we've had great matchups on paper, we've yet to have a tie that really goes back-and-forth and really captivates you. So in that sense, this knockout stage of the Champions League has been a little disappointing so far, but I think you couldn't have picked a more interesting set of semifinals because... You know, you take a, a sixth-place team from one league and a fourth-place team and another team and say, okay, these teams are playing in the Champions League semifinal. You're like, okay, that's kind of boring. But the fact that it's Milan and Inter and a matchup with so much history, and I think back to, you know, the late 2000s and and just like my childhood and Inter Milan winning in 2010 and over Bayern Munich and AC Milan, you know, the the, the having it slip away in 2005 but then coming back and winning in 2007, all the players on their team, Perlo, Kaka, just you can go on and on and talk about these legends. It just feels like a little football heritage coming back in this semifinal. And I'm going to be really, really excited for Italian football to take center stage in the semifinal. We obviously know that Man City these past years have been the better team on paper. Last year we saw that. I, I, I personally thought that Man City were making the final last year. They were obviously the best team in, in Europe. But, you know, this Champions League season it wasn't as entertaining as last season. Well, I'm, I'm talking more knockouts because, obviously, last season, Real Madrid just had a comeback after comeback after comeback, and then they uh, strongly won the final against Liverpool. But uh, this year, Man City has Holland, and obviously this is the competition Man City hasn't won in their history. Pep hasn't won a Champions League with his team, um, and he's want to go all out, but it's Madrid's competition. They are a Champions League club. They When they play in the Champions League in the Bernabeu, it's their time to win. They know how to win this competition. They've won it five times in the past, I think, eight years. Uh, but what's different about this time is, you know, they're playing the Bernabeu in the first leg and then playing the Etihad in the second leg. And I think when you look back at last year's uh, semifinal, it was 4-3 at the Etihad, and I think Vinicius had a great goal. Benzema did a Panenka goal. Uh, Phil Foden had like a great goal, and, and it was just a great tie overall. But this time they have Holland, and Holland's a goal scorer, and he's gonna have to. And he said it himself that you know Man City didn't bring me here to win the Premier League; they brought me here to, to win the Champions League, and that's what they're gonna do. Um, when I look at this Milan Inter Milan, this Milan derby, yeah, it takes me back to my childhood when you know Milan were the force of Serie A. Inter Milan were also the force; they won the treble in 2010 with uh, Mourinho. 
And uh, it's great to see this Italian team, this uh, Serie A resurgence back in the Champions League. Obviously, Milan and Inter these past couple of years weren't at their best, but they've won the Serie A, Milan and Inter. So to see this matchup is going to be very interesting. And I think it's very poetic that it's going to be at the San Siro. So uh, the last, I think the last uh, season with the San Siro? I believe so, yeah. So it's definitely a poetic ending to the San Siro. The winner goes to the final. And uh, I think the semifinals for these both teams are going to be just an exciting match. But I don't think the Real Madrid Man City is going to live to the hype as last season for sure. It's definitely not a enter- It's not going to be entertaining. It's definitely going to be a war for these two teams to make the final. Well, boys, it was a, a great return for me on the airways. Always a pleasure to kick it and talk footy with you two. Big shout out to Michael Hernandez producing Behind the Glass. You hear the outro music fading in. That means we are done. Always a pleasure to talk all things FUVFC. For Nick Guzman, Gino Alva, Sakina Droy saying, see ya. Tune in today for that Arsenal City game. Um, Or by the time you hear this, it'll probably be over. So maybe we're right, maybe we're wrong. It doesn't matter. Appreciate y'all tuning in. Peace.